Man, we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight in Vancouver, all my real fans. Damn, we let that shit run, eh? Okay, okay, it is what it is. It, it is what it is. That's the case, right, Vancouver? It is what it is. And I guess we have to start the episode like that because I can't really relate to you if it's not what it is. Because I really don't know what is it. Anyways, I'm recording this in the past. Yes, I'm recording this at 1.38 in the morning on game day. And that's only because I won't be at the Posted Up Studios during what quite possibly is the the biggest week or, or the biggest weekend in studio history. And oh man, that's embarrassing, yo. That's embarrassing. Oh man. Oh man. Especially after we've had we've had such such impactful conversations with you know, some of the city's best over the last, what, four or five days? Or I'll stretch that out to a week. And everyone, whether it be Vanessa or Mike, yes, Mike Martinego, he, he may not think so anymore, but but his impact in the city is is there. We had JD on as well, JD Burke. We had Faber on as well. And all these people doing their thing and just you know just advancing in their careers have not taken you know their foot off the pedal that's the thing about this place yo it's a competitive market and it's also at this moment it's got some talent right and it's probably because of the standard the standard and we all know who set that standard and what's more interesting is who's come close in their own regard in their own way to, you know, deliver their version of talent. And I'm talking about Harmon and Drance. <laughs> let's be real. Let's be honest. Honest person, honest podcast. That's a lot of talent. Vancouver's been blessed. Been blessed to some regard when it comes to who's making, who's making their news about their favorite hockey team. Straight up, straight up. That, that, that's a run. That's a run in the city. And again, it, it sets the standard. And, and all those conversations, again, they, they go back to the point uh, of of not, not letting your, your foot off the pedal. And here I am, <laughs> the busiest weekend. Busiest weekend in a long time in the city of Vancouver, not at the studio. I'll say this, though. I don't give a fuck. I don't. I don't. Family first, man. Family first. And also, also, it's the Nux Misconduct Network. Okay, we we give you what? We give you what? A lot of episodes. I believe this could possibly be episode 369 on the network. No matter what, the people are getting episodes. And we are still doing the post-game show. Yes, tonight we're still doing the post-game show. But we're doing most of it, if not all of it with Harmon. Yes, Harmon is on the program. And who really knows 
<laughs> who really knows where this conversation is going? Because it is sipping on a 40. And, and if you look at if you look at what we've talked about over the last couple of episodes, I'm thinking to myself, how is this a post-game show? We barely talk about the game sometimes. It is what it is, though. Now, on top of it just being sipping on a 40, I'm out of town with the family, drinking. Yes, drinking. I'm sorry. After watching game six. So, so who really knows who I am at, at this moment? With that being said, I've already told myself, I've told myself throughout the day, yo, be ready, be sharp. And I believe in willpower. So, so in my opinion, in my opinion, I will have no problem recording this conversation with Harmon Dial of The Athletic post game six, no matter what happened, no matter what happened. I don't know what happened and I hope the best, okay? Please don't give the people, my people, game seven. Game seven. Who, who, who in this city actually loves game sevens? Okay. <laughs> okay. Cause that, that, that right there, that, that game, it, it, it is traumatizing and, and it is what it is. It probably won't change for a while. Anyways, let's just get to the conversation. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for this. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. I'm putting this out in the universe. Thanks so much for joining us on the post-game show throughout, yes, throughout round one. Because round one is over. <laughs> Enjoy the conversation. All right, all right. Vancouver, Langley, Burnaby, 100 Mile House, wherever you're listening to this from. Well, we got Harmon Dial from the Athletic Vancouver on Sipping on a 40. First off, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Big win, big win. Big win big win and i hear some enthusiasm so i guess this is a good uh, good first question to ask Harmon. you've done a lot over the past couple of years are you still a a vancouver canucks fan i'm only asking that because of your professional stance and what you're doing in the game do you find yourself you know falling behind when it comes to being a fan or are you still there yeah i get that question a lot i think growing up i was definitely a huge fan it was what brought me uh, into the game and um, it was kind of my passion for the team and, and the sport as a whole that obviously drove me towards this career path. I think, uh, I think working in media and on the professional side of things kind of does kill the fandom in you um, in a lot of senses. Uh, don't go through that kind of uh, emotional uh, roller coaster really anymore. But in having said that, obviously, like I cater to um, a Vancouver audience, right? Like my my work, uh, my career, I only have it because. Uh, of the people in the city and obviously I want uh, I, obviously I want the readers to be happy I want the people that have supported me along the way to um, be able to follow a winning team and and even you know friends and family so I, I think just from that perspective it's I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan but I definitely want to see the team do well just because it makes um, the the people that I write for the the people that I know in my personal life because it makes them happy no, 100%, 100%. It's always, uh, I don't know if a, a delicate question is, is the right phrase, but it's just a, it's always an interesting thing to, thing to ask those in the media because you see people all over the place. And, you know, it, it makes sense for someone in the media not to be a fan because they want to remove the bias from their pieces. But then you look at someone like a Bill Simmons, who's the biggest Boston fan of all time. Aggressively pro-Boston, as we've said before. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's always interesting, and especially with someone as young as Harmon. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Let's be honest. A couple of years ago, he's just a fan, and now yeah. he's Harmon for the Athletic, doing doing fabulous things for the city of Vancouver. Now, I heard this story. Uh, it was actually told by Thomas Drance on the radio or on the VanCast. He was talking about your article about Travis Green and the analytics and what he was doing during the off time. And he talked about how you actually held on to that article before posting it. Uh, why did he do that? And who who kind of taught you to do that? Be patient with your pieces. Um, I I think that's just something that for myself, I've always been kind of, um, I don't know if conservative is the right word for it, but uh, I like to kind of hold my bigger pieces for uh, the big moment, I'd say. And um, it felt, it just didn't feel like the right timing because we were kind of in the middle of a pandemic and um, to, to, ha- to be able to drop it um, heading into this huge matchup against St. Louis when the city is buzzing again, uh, it just, it, it obviously was a gamble because we didn't know if they'd beat Minnesota and then I, I'd be dropping it in the off season anyway. But um, again, it just kind of, felt like uh, it, it would it would make uh, a bigger impact in the city. There would be more eyeballs on it um, in this sort of a time frame, and uh, I'm glad it panned out that way. No, straight up. It's just a, it's a move of patience, and it, it was just interesting to hear Grants talk about how he wouldn't go about it that way. There are just many ways to go about this whole media yeah. thing. With the yeah, city. no, definitely. No, 100%, 100%. We got Harmon Dial on Sipping on a 40. We also got Nick Bondi too. Mm-hmm. Nick, I, I know the communication is a bit off here. Do, do you got any questions here? Absolutely. Uh, what what chance, realistically, does the Canucks have at beating La- uh, Las Vegas? Like, just being realistic here. Yeah, it's going to be a significant uphill battle. I think Vegas is going to pose uh, a much bigger challenge than St. Louis did. I think... Uh, the Golden Knights are really the team that I think people saw St. Louis as coming into these playoffs because they've got that physical element where they can wear teams down. But the thing about the Golden Knights is they've got a gear to them that St. Louis doesn't have as far as their top-end talent, um, as far as their ability to play run-and-gun hockey. Like I think heading into the St. Louis series, I remember I sent a tweet out and I said the fact that the Canucks avoided – Colorado and Vegas means that they have a real shot in round one. And the reason I said that was because a team like the blues, they don't have the quick strike uh, counterattack ability. They don't have the elite skill up front to, I guess, take advantage of Vancouver's biggest flaw, which is defending the rush. And obviously they've improved on that throughout the course of the playoffs, but in the regular season, they were 30th, uh, I believe in, in rush goals or chances against it's, um, clearly the, the biggest area of, of improvement that they need. And then you look at a team like Colorado or Vegas, how much they generate off the rush. Um, it's a lot different compared to St. Louis, who creates most of their offense off the cycle. So um, I think just stylistically, going up against St. Louis, which was a much better matchup, because even uh, we talk about the Canucks and we don't often associate them as being this big and, and tough and heavy team, but I actually think that that type of play style suits them much better than uh, than this sort of trading chances, high-octane offense type series where um, you're seeing end-to-end action because I don't think the, the Canucks have the offensive depth to sort of uh, like participate and do well in that type of a, a, a fireworks competition. Mm-hmm. So um, I think in that sense, Vegas is going to po- uh, pose a much bigger threat. 
Um, in the end, though, I mean, uh, obviously the Golden Knights are, are – I, I look at their roster, top-end talent. Um, they've got the depth. Um, they've got the goaltending, too, which St. Louis didn't quite have in this series either. Um, so they're heavy favorites in my books, but it's the playoffs and, and anything can happen. And uh, we've seen unlikely things happen in this game six. Like I would not have expected Jay Beagle and Tyler Mott to really step up to the occasion. And um, that's the type of stuff that Vancouver is going to need. They're going to need uh, Jacob Markstrom to do his best uh, impersonation of uh, Dominic Hasek. They're going to need the bottom six to do more unlikely things. They're going to need a little bit of luck along the way. They're going to need special teams to be dominant. Uh, so it's one of those cases where if everything goes right, yes, they have a shot. Yeah, you know yeah. who Vegas doesn't have? Tyler Mott. You mentioned him. Taylor T- Tater Todd Mott, as we're calling him on Next Misconduct Network. This guy, four goals in two games. Like, that trade with Thomas Vanek at the time, right? Like, I think everyone trashed Jim Benning for not getting the draft pick because that made the most sense at the time. But it's, lo- it's looking pretty good right now. Like, I don't think Tyler Mott should be getting signed to, like, a six-year deal, but he's looked pretty good these last two games in this series, right? Like, have the numbers backed it up at all? Or am I just looking at him scoring four goals in two games like, this guy's having a good series? For sure. He had an excellent series, and he was really good in the Minnesota one too. And I think for me, um, naturally, because of sort of his underlying impact, I over the course of, o- o- over the course of the last couple of seasons, I haven't been so hot on Mott, but he's really won me over with his ability to contribute on the penalty kill uh, we all know about his pat- patented hustle and the fact that he brings his lunch pail to every single game and just that dogged determination, that never quit attitude. Uh, but that's actually manifesting into positive results on the ice too. And um, no question, he's he's been lights out for them. Uh, much needed secondary scoring and uh, surprisingly tied with Nathan McKinnon for four goals in these playoffs now. <laughs> Nice. And you're really yeah. turning into a big J journalist with a lunch pail reference. Like I, I appreciate that. Like <laughs> no one, no one brings lunch pails around every more anymore, except people in media who reference lunch pails. Like I appreciate that. It's a throwback to the Ronald, Ronald Kennan's days. The hey, <laughs> man, Bo Horvath's best line mate at one time. We got, we got Harmon dial here on sipping on a 40. I'm gonna say it again. The best post game show uh, on the Canucks podcast sphere. We talked about, Vegas and what they have on their team. But wouldn't you say that the Canucks probably have the the three best players maybe in the series with Markstrom, Pedersen, and Hughes? They do. And it's the same sort of advantage that they hold over a lot of teams, um, which is that they have, I guess, superstars that can uh, take over. Although I, I look at Vegas's top end and, and someone like Mark Stone isn't he doesn't grab headlines as much, and he's not this 100-point type score. But when you combine just what he's able to produce offensively, like that, that's a really sneaky good uh, top six, one that will give Vancouver uh, an absolute run for its money, especially when you look at um, how how well Jonathan Marcheseau and, and Riley Smith have, have been rolling. And um, it was a similar thing in this St. Louis series, where, again, uh, I, I think – St. Louis maybe didn't have that superstar, but they had Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly driving a line. And uh, really, it, was, it wasn't it was the top six at five-on-five. Five. It wasn't really Quinn Hughes at five-on-five five that took the series over and became the decisive edge. It was sort of a combination of being able to have the bottom six step up. Special teams were the most important factor. The 
Uh, the fact that the power play was able to click at probably around 30% efficiency. I haven't looked into the numbers yet, but they were uh, red hot. And then obviously Markstrom put in an MVP caliber performance as he has all year. And I think Markstrom is really going to be the key because he's going to have to, in my mind, uh, steal a couple of games for, for the Canucks to claim uh, a potential series against uh, the Golden Knights. But no question that I think he has it in him. Uh, to put that type of performance together. No, 100%. I think he has it in him too. Uh, he's just super competitive. And obviously he's a UFA at the end of the season, but there's just something about the dude that 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 is telling me that that he's just out to prove everyone wrong and just make up for the the first half of his NHL career. Because what he's doing right now is, is straight up fucking remarkable. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be real for the city of Vancouver. Jacob Marsham is doing a lot of things. I've also asked this question to a lot of people that come on the show. It's, it's also being asked because I'm just so amazed at Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson. If you had to pick one player to start your franchise oh. with, who are you picking? Quinn oh. Hughes or Elias Patterson? We're, we're putting Harmon on the spot here. Who yeah. you are, dog? I'd say Elias Patterson, and it's going to come as con- probably controversial given uh, how good Hughes has looked, but my theory has always been I value first-line franchise centers just a little bit higher than um elite number one defenseman obviously you need both to to win a championship but um i look at the type of impact that pedersen's able to have and yes quinn hughes he has the point totals going for him as well but i think if you were to go back and watch the tape on a lot of it it's almost kind of like the john carlson effect where it's not to say that he isn't contributing but naturally a defenseman's points on the power play are going to be um feeding all feeding uh jt miller or Pedersen the puck and and them kind of scoring and so um i i look at defensemen what what someone like quinn hughes is able to bring to the table is he can he's a talent amplifier right like you put him on the ice with elias Pedersen, those two are unstoppable right unstoppable. and if if you still but if you have hughes and he's playing with jay beagle uh, and or maybe not in this series because Jay Beagle and Tyler Mott are insane. They're, they're, they're low key superstars now. But if you put them next to subpar talent, like if if Quinn Hughes is on Buffalo right now, like I don't know that he's grabbing headlines the way Patterson would um, on a similarly um, talented roster um, last year. So I just think that elite centers can take over and make an impact uh, in a way that is tougher to do for defensemen ultimately. Straight up, straight up. That, that makes a lot of sense, too. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about this city just being absolutely blessed. Having both no these question. dudes. Both these dudes. Like, I've been saying it for a long time now. I, I think that these two are on their path of being, you know, right now in, in the dance right now, they're probably two of the top 20, 25 players in the league. And, and they're on their way of doing some great, great things. I got a couple more questions for Harmon. Bondi, do you have anything? I, I know we're, we're, we're miles away. No, right no, now. no. I, I, just, I just got one more, one more thing okay. to add. Uh, this is, I'm going to play a certain sound clip. This is the motto for Nux Misconduct going forward with the Vancouver Canucks. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. I don't care if the Canucks are getting pummeled at five on five. I don't care what the what the Corsi and the fancy stats are saying. Just, Just win. win Just win. Just win, baby. Just win for the city of Vancouver and for uh, for everyone that, that, that cheers for, for a team that hasn't really gotten anything done over 50 years. You got Harmon Dial of the Athletic and so much more on sipping on a 40. A couple more questions here and a very important one off the bat. 
give us some writing tips, okay? At nuxmisconduct.com. Yeah, yeah. We desperately okay? we, need them. We we try to build it up, okay? We try to change the culture, baby, okay? We try to change the narrative on Nux Misconduct. We got Harmon Dial here, and I know you do your analytical thing, and that's really appreciate appreciated amongst uh, the community, but the more and more I read your work, I realize that damn, you're just a you're you're a fucking tremendous writer, bro. Mm -hmm. Just in general, if you take out the analytics, there, there's really good writing in there. So so give us some writing tips. So what's your what's your formula to get the piece done? Wow, I really genuinely appreciate that because usually usually I'm just trying to use the analysis as a cover for the fact that um, like I look at Thomas Trance's work and I'm like, geez, I'm not that yeah. good of a writer. So he's a pretty good um, writer himself. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think you maybe pump in my tires a little bit, but uh, as far as writing goes, um, I don't know. I just read as much as possible. Like that's how I kind of um, have learned to, I guess, hone my craft. Because again, naturally, I wouldn't say that I'm the most gifted writer relative to a lot of other journalists out there. Uh, and so for me, I'm able to learn a lot just from the way someone like Drancer is able to, I guess, frame certain um, storylines and make a piece just kind of uh, come together. Like you look at um, the the last piece that he did um, after Game Five's win on just kind of piecing together um, how Travis Green used that line juggling, the secrecy of not revealing his lines in a warm up, and he built it out into this um, this amazing story, and it kind of read like a heist movie. And, and so you you obviously learn learn a lot from that. Um, I learned a lot about leads. Like I usually, I, I hate writing leads is my big thing. But again, that's one of those things where I've learned a lot just from uh, reading other authors' work and trying to implement tips here and there. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I uh, I can I can give you guys. I know it's it, it, there's it, it, it's pretty vague, but that's genuinely what's helped me the most is just reading a lot and sort of trying to apply whatever I can. What do you like to read? What do you like to read? I just read a lot of other sports articles. Oh, like okay. That's, nice. uh, yeah, I should have made it more more clear. Other sports. I uh, thought you were reading like fiction books or something like no, that. No, no, no. That doesn't help. No. <laughs> that doesn't help? That wouldn't help? It probably would, but I honestly can't remember the last time I've read a, a fiction book. Um, <laughs> it's been a long while, but no, other sports articles are really the way to go. I especially look at a lot of uh, old school, I well, not old school, but like experienced journalists um, like Michael Russo, uh, like Jeremy Rutherford. Um, I'm just trying to think of a couple other, uh, other examples, um, just kind of drawing blanks here. Um, but really just, just find other journalists that, uh, uh, that are able to piece these sports articles really well together and, and sort of see what you can apply. Have you always been like that? You've always been uh, somewhat of a sponge. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's been my biggest thing, even with analytics, um, as far as learning um, and, and sort of perfecting kind of how I see the game and, and always trying to improve in that sense. Um, again, so much of it started from reading other people's work and looking at, okay, looking at 10 different analysts and reading their work and saying, okay, what do I like about this person's analysis? And what do I like about their work? And and, and then sort of using my um, critical thinking thereafter to sort of piece together what I like and maybe don't like and just sort of putting it all together. Because again, um, I didn't play the game. I didn't play hockey growing up. Obviously, uh, I watched a ton of it growing up, but excuse me, I wasn't, uh, again, I didn't play at a high level. So naturally you have to 
in my opinion anyway, I feel like anytime I have the opportunity to whether it's read um, another high uh, high end analyst's work like Justin Bourne at the Athletic, I learned so much about systems uh, from him. Ian Tulloch, uh, Rachel Dory, uh, and even when I had the opportunity to over the course, obviously not now in, in COVID times, but anytime you're able to chat with a scout or a coach or a general manager or just an executive kind of learning their perspective. And um, they've obviously had had way more experience in the game than I have. And and so, yeah, that's that's really what I try and do is um, try and soak, soak up and learn as much as I can because I think that really is the key um, to just improving and, and further refining how you kind of see the game and, and coming up with uh, uh, hopefully some good takes there. That that that's that's beautiful, man. I, I know you think that you gave us a vague answer when it when it came to asking us for asking for some advice, but at the end of the day, it's kind of simple, you know. Absorb, learn more. Mm-hmm. You need to do more. And you just got to learn more from other people. And Harmon, again, thanks so much for your time. There, there's so much more that we could go go at in this conversation and it's just like a testament we've had so many great conversations over the last week and, and you know canucks twitter I, I it gets a it's like it's a really bad rep and i think it kind of puts a stain on the canucks community but there are so many great things happening with some of the talent coming out of the city and uh you, you've done a lot you've done a lot for the community and, and just keep it up man keep it up the sky's the limit and yeah, I don't gotta give this guy advice, but yeah. I'm gonna give this. Guy, what am <laughs> you're I? Ta- doing, you're bro? talking to the boy genius right here. I think yeah, he's. I think he's got it figured out. What? I think he's yeah, got it figured on, out. Man, what am I doing here, man? I try to go down on some spiritual spiel. It is what it is. That was sipping on a forty. Once again, thank you to Harmon and shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick, man. You doing this remotely for for the people? For gotta the do fans. it. Gotta have the post game show out. The people 100%, are expecting it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You're listening to sipping on a forty, and we'll be right back. Once again, yes, once again, thank you to Harmon, Harmon Dial of The Athletic, and Nick Bondi. Yes, Nick Bondi for for doing the work, making sure the conversation would happen. For the people, yes, for the people. He did that for the people, man. The people who follow the Nux Misconduct Network. You, yes, you, are the reason, the reason for what? I don't know. If you weren't here, I'd still be doing this. Let's be honest, yo. Like I said, man, like I said, that this a moment. This a moment to have a podcast studio and uh, be, be in tune with what's happening with with its city's product. One of its only products, right? In the world of entertainment. In the world of fandom. This a moment. This a moment. That being said, we do appreciate the love, the listens, the listens, the followers. The followers, that's a lot of episodes, right? And, and if the number was zero, okay, if the number was zero, would we still be doing? I think so, yo. This this is a lot of fun too. You know, we started off the episode talking about the talent level and the uh, the work ethic amongst those who are, who are really taking leaps or have taken leaps in the, in the sports world here in Vancouver. I remember that question I asked uh, Matt Sakaris while he was on Power of the Towel with Nick Bondi. And I think it was about how much fun his job was. And he gave me a really straight to the point, what type of question was that answer? In fact, do yourself a favor and give Nick Bondi the stream, okay? And that's teamwork. Yes, teamwork makes the fucking dream work here on the Nux Misconduct Network. You think I'm giving you 
that sarcastic answer that put me in my place? No, no. You got to find it yourself on the network. A lot of episodes to go through. Now, your Canucks, once again, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Well, I did know what happened at the midway point, but I'm recording this after. I'm lost now. I'm lost. But whatever happened, yo, Vancouver, meaningful hockey is back, is back. Whether it's brought back to your television screen this Sunday, which I hope it's it's not, it's not the case. Or it happens later, later in the week in round two. Meaningful hockey is back. And I guess it's a, it's a overused word at this point in the game, but it still feels, feels very surreal in 2020 to say that we still got it. We still got what we wanted after a year, years and years of, <laughs> of some bullshit, of some bullshit. There's nothing worse than the draft lottery. Let's be real. Let's be honest. There's nothing more pathetic than, than just waiting for it. I've been there and it's sad that that's an L mentality and I'm glad it's over. I really am. Meaningful games are back. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do whatever we have to do. I'm, I'm using the word we. This is this is something else, yo. This is something else. The passion is back. The city. The city feels like Vancouver. That was sipping on a 40. Once again, thank you so much to Harmon. Thank you to Nick Bondi. Thank you to, to Nux Misconduct. Thank you to the people of Vancouver. Get the network. Yes, get the network. We told you about the quickie. We told you about power of the towel. How about how about silky and filthy making its return after a one-week break? Yes, a one-week break. The the show that brought the network to where it is where it is now. Man, that's bad. That's bad. Once again, once again, thank you to Harmon Dial and Nick Bondi. Yes, Nick Bondi. For recording that conversation remotely for the people, for the listeners. Nick Bondi, real talk. Real talk. Sometimes he's the Pedersen and sometimes he's the Tyler Mott. Not not a bad, bad place to be. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Man, oh man, the people, the city. You know, I wish I knew what happened in this part of the recording. Because now I'm here. What what are we going to talk about? Why don't we just get out of here, right? That being said, that being said, I can't, I can't still, I can't still fathom how, how this is all actually happening in 2020. Now we wanted that to be the case back in September because the city was done. The city was done. The city deserved meaningful games. So the goal was always this, but at, but at one point and, and rightfully so in some sense, this was impossible. And now we're here in late August, either talking about a, a round two appearance or a game seven, the most meaningful, meaningful game in, oh man, I'm not going to say it. Come on. Don't make the people think about it. Come on. Come on. That's what's happening, yo. That's what's happening. These games matter and they're doing they're doing a lot for the network. They're doing a lot for the spirit. They're doing a lot for for connecting the dots, man. Connecting the dots. Yo, I remember reading The Alchemist in that little room over there that's now turned into a studio. And I finished it. I finished it and I got this 
this revelation of some sort. And, and it was it, it was this realization that I needed to start I needed to start watching hockey again closely, very closely, and take it more seriously. And now we have a podcast studio uh, pretty much set up and established in the city when the when the hockey team is playing meaningful games. This this something else. This something else. This the dream. This the dream. We live in the dream. A lot of us are. A lot of us are. Man, that's what hope does. That's what hope does. Real talk, real talk. Let me get out of here, though. Let me get out of here. Well, what are we even talking about? Thanks so much for listening, though. And remember, go get the Nux Misconduct Network. Wherever, yes, wherever you listen to podcasts, you get four shows. Yes, four shows with one swipe, one tap. Boom, bam. Yes, boom, bam. You made your hockey life a little bit better. Straight up. My name, Kyle Bowen, K-Y-L-E-B-H-A-W-A-N. Most importantly, yes, most importantly, that was Harmon Dial. That was Nick Bondi who helped out with the episode. Have a good morning, a good afternoon, a good night. We don't know when you're listening to this, but we, yes, we appreciate it. Peace.